This is the sermon from Reverend Dr. Bob John, pastor of Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. We hope you are blessed with this message today. If you are seeking a church family, we are located at 242 Boston Road. Our worship services are at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on Sundays. May God bless you and your family this day and give you peace. Good morning. The reading of this morning's Bible, please stand if you are able. The reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. Jesus had just heard of the death of, uh, of John, not of John. His disciples came, excuse me. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over, and the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. And this is the word, word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be accepted on thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Not long after the pandemic started in 2020, there was a crisis with the supply leading to a shortage of many items. There was a shortage of food, baby formula, cream cheese, aluminum, dog food, and of course, toilet papers. Well, at the time, a parishioner whom I met during my seminary years in Boston posted on Facebook an episode that she experienced one week. She went to a grocery market for some shopping and saw a man pushing a cart full of toilet papers and paper towel. She confronted him and said, you, shame on you. It's because people like you, someone like me, have to jump from one store to another searching for these items. Shame on you, she said. When she was yelling, confronting, and yelling, this man looked pretty sad, and finally he opened his mouth and said, Ma'am, 
I just work here. <laughs> well, many of us remember the time when the shelves at many grocery stores were empty. There were no meat, no canned food. Many people were hoarding the grocery items because of the fear that they may not have enough for tomorrow. It did not matter how much money we had in the wallet. People could not buy the grocery items because just they were not available. And for so many of us, it was just shocking that we experienced something like that for the first time in our lives. But here is the reality today. A couple of weeks ago, the government of India decided to impose a ban on certain rice due to the heavy rain this past month that destroyed many rice paddy fields. India accounts for more than 40% of world rice exports. And this decision will immediately impact countries like Vietnam, Thailand, and many countries in, in Africa. Well, I'm not trying to scare anyone in the church this morning about this global crisis in supply. I'm sure that you know, as a nation and people will always find a way collectively to deal with uh, the climate, climate crisis and supply distribution. At the same time, we can look back on this pandemic and think that there are always people, whether in our community, country, or world, who experience a shortage of many things, wrestling with scarcity. There are parents in the world who see their children go to bed hungry every night. And we think that there might be just cases in other countries, like third world countries, but it also happens in our community, in our country. The last year, during the Thanksgiving week, I saw many people driving and pulling their, the car at the church, and Joe running up and down, bringing the, the baskets of Thanksgiving food to these people. In our reading today, we also meet Jesus' disciples dealing with scarcity. When Jesus heard that his cousin John the Baptist was killed by King Herod, Jesus withdrew in a deserted place by himself. We know that sometimes Jesus withdrew to a deserted place to pray to God. Some other, time, some other times he did so to regain strength and renew his energy. But at this time, he was probably grieving the loss of his cousin, his family, and also God's prophet, who prepared the way for him by standing in the wilderness and inviting people to come and repent their sins and be baptized. Maybe Jesus was grieving that there was also probably with his fate as he would be led to the cross later on the hill mocked by the soldiers and the crowd. But even in that deserted place, Jesus could not stay alone because the crowd they still found him and they came to him. Why did they come to Jesus? 
The Bible tells us they, they came because they wanted to be healed by Jesus. In the previous chapters, this is what the Gospel of Matthew tells us, that Jesus healed a man with a skin disease. He healed a centurion's servant by just speaking words of healing. He healed Peter's mother-in-law with a fever. He healed a man possessed by demons and made a paralyzed man walk again. He, he, he healed the blind. He opened the mouth of a person who could not speak. And he healed a man with a withered hand on Sabbath day. So the words spread quickly. People from all over the country came to Jesus to be touched by him and by healed. Wouldn't we have done the same thing if there is someone who can heal every illness or a sickness in this world? What would we hold from traveling and meeting that person to be healed? So Jesus healed everyone, men and women, young and old, and it was evening. People were going hungry, and the disciples came to Jesus and said, this is such a remote place, and there are no restaurants nearby here, so why don't we let these people go into the villages and buy some food for themselves? In other words, these disciples are saying, we see these people are going hungry, but it's not our responsibility to feed them. So please let them go and take care of themselves. But here's what Jesus says. They don't need to go anywhere. You give them food. And the disciples panicked because they thought that they had nothing to offer as they looked at these incredible multitude people. They only had five loaves of bread and two fish. What are they supposed to do? The other day I was watching a movie called The Bible with my family. And early in the movie, the, the scene showed the reading from today's reading, a big crowd going hungry. The disciples came to Jesus and said, what should we do with all these hungry people? And sitting next to me, Joshua said, pizza, they can eat pizza here. When these disciples saw what they heard, five loaves of bread and two fish, they thought that they had not enough. There are a thousand people out there, so what can we do with these five loaves of bread and two fish? I mean, sure, we know that feeding these hungry people is the work of God. But what can we do with such a small thing like just bread and fish? In my first church, people were excited to have me as their new pastor. You know, at the time, I was in early 30s at the time. You know, when I met with uh, the first meeting with the Step Parish Relations Committee, which is an introductory meeting to, to say that he's the new pastor for your church, and the members of the committee were excited, and they said, well, thank God, now we know that you being young pastor can bring some young families with the children to our church. And the next meeting, which was the finance meeting as I was sitting there, 
the church had to make some tough decision with the budget cut. And the first line item, the first line item to cut was Sunday school and youth group. You know, I remember the early years of my ministry were full of complaints. You know, our church does not have money. Our church does not have enough volunteers. People in this church are not generous enough. People want, don't want to be serious about their faith in God. And this church building is too old to maintain a cost of fortune. And I was filled with a spirit of scarcity. Simply, I did not have enough. I mean, I had a degree in seminary education. And uh, I had some experience in church working as seminary intern and you know, associate pastor. At the time, I thought that maybe I had a good experience, you know, enough experience to lead a church as a senior pastor. But, uh, but when I started, I miserably realized that I had zero to minimal experience to lead a church as a pastor. So my complaints was, my church does not have enough to do God's work. But this is what Jesus told his disciples. Bring to me what you have, he said. He ordered the crowd to sit on the grass, and he took the bread and fish and looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves of bread and gave, him, gave them to the disciples. The disciples went around giving the loaves and fish to people, and the miracle took place. Everyone was fully fed and they filled. The basket did not go empty. And they even took up what was left over the broken pieces, which gathered in 12 baskets. The disciples were complaining that they did not have enough to do what Jesus was asking them to do. But Jesus turned what they had into more than enough. Christ turns our despair of not enough into our joy of more than enough. Although the, the disciples complained about what they did not have, Jesus asked them to bring what they already had and to multiply them. And a miracle came when there was a spirit of gratitude. Henry now when a Jesuit priest, he says, gratitude is the awareness that life in all its manifestations is a gift for which we want to give thanks. It means even when we go through sorrows and pains, we can still find a reason to be grateful. That we are grateful for our families and friends who love us as we are and take their time to be with us and pray for us. When we feel not adequately equipped for a certain challenge or job, we can be grateful by humbling ourselves and seeking wisdom and guidance from God and also our neighbors. At least that's what I experienced as a pastor. 
I've been learning the discipline of beginning with gratitude for what we have, rather than complaining about what we do not have. Again, in my first church as a pastor, I later discovered that although we did not have a big youth group, we still had five children who taught me joy in children's ministry. We gathered to have fun. Sometimes we had a sleep over at the church. We went on to the ski trip together. We played basketball at the church parking lot, sometimes drawing complaints from the neighbors. Although I did not have a huge crowd in the Bible study, I realized that there was a dedicated group of people who packed bags of food and delivered them to school nurses at the elementary schools in the neighborhood because there were kids in the neighborhood going hungry during the weekend. Although we were not bringing young families with the children, you know, God brought some interesting people to that church. A homeless couple who were jumping from a motel to another one. A person who just was released from the prison. A single mother with a two-year-old boy living in a dangerous neighborhood. God helped me to see what God had already gave and be grateful at the time. As I entered my second year as a pastor with Eldersgate, and I believe that there is a spirit of gratitude and generosity here. A few weeks ago, our bishop asked all the churches to help the churches in Vermont by donating to Umcor, as many of them, they were devastated and flooded with heavy rain. And the Sunday I made an announcement, there was a tornado warning in our community and the neighboring towns, and like my mind was going crazy. What are you going to do about this? And you know, we sent a run robocall and didn't go through, right, Betsy? Like, you know, we just had like a 10 minutes left to service start, and you know, we were not going to, I thought that we are not going to have that many people for the service, or it's gonna be messy, but uh, I was genuinely surprised. I felt grateful that about 45 people still came to the church to worship that morning through the heavy rain and wind. And also these past two Sundays, our church collected about $3,000 to be sent for the disaster relief work in Vermont. That's a, that's a generosity and gratitude. But I'm not just talking about the financial generosity of our church. I believe that there is a a spirit of gratitude in welcoming one another, serving one another, and living as one family of God. There is a spirit of joy in preparing for the vacation Bible school as our love for children and young people multiplies, planting seeds in their hearts to love God and to love their neighbors. During the week and Sunday, I see many people who come and prepare for the service, practice, and serve others 
in joy and gratitude. Our youth group, as Sophia, she shared at the beginning of the service, and they took their time to join the National Gathering of Youth 2023 in Florida. Although the, the flight was canceled on Monday, and people had to alter their plans for the rest of the week, Cheryl told me that no one complained. They were just grateful to be there, and even through the humidity, they had to walk between the hotel and the convention center for 20 minutes down in Daytona, Florida. But everyone was grateful to be there, grateful for one another, and grateful for the prayers and support from all of you in this church. Our world often operates in the spirit of scarcity, that we do not have enough for everyone. And people accept the reality that we'll always be the poor and rich. There'll always be people who go hungry and thirsty. There's even spiritual depression that permeates the God's churches today that no matter what we try, there's nothing we can do about the declining membership, the lack of Sunday school program. We don't have the people to do God's will in this world, but Christ invites us to bring what we have today and blesses us. He blesses our talents, our resources, and our love for God so that they can multiply to transform our world. In a world where people complain that we don't have enough, Christ calls us to shout, we have more than enough. Again, Henry Nowen says, how different would our life be were we truly able to trust that it multiplied in being given away? How different would our life be if we could believe that every little act of faithfulness, every gesture of love, every word of forgiveness, every little bit of joy and peace will multiply as long as there are people to receive it, and even then there will be leftovers. As Jesus looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the bread, he also becomes the living bread for us, being given away in love and humility. And we who eat his body are to offer ourselves for the sake of this world by trusting in God who invites us to bring what we have today and be part of God's redeeming work of healing and compassion and grace in this world today. Thanks be to God and God's people's sake.